You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 191, sponsored by InStock Trades and Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash iFanboy for your free audiobook download. And iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 191. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with the... I wanted to describe you, and I couldn't. <laughs> I blanked on an adjective. In, in, indescribable? The indescribable, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And the indisputable, Josh Flanagan. That wasn't even a word. I don't, I don't talk very well. Indisputable? Indisputable. Oh, I, that's, you know what? It's absolutely true. Although somebody has Twitter.com slash Josh Flanagan, and uh, he's wasting it. All right, well then. Um, we are from iFanboy.com, which is a website that is dedicated to comic books and comic book discussion and all things comics. And we and because of that, we read a lot of comics. And every week, uh, they all come out on Wednesday, as you might know. And uh, one of us reads the comics that we chose that week and whittles down our stack down to our pick of the week and then write a review of it on iFanboy.com on Wednesday night that you can go read. And then we come here to talk about it on this podcast, as well as the other books that came out this week and any other topics of interest that, that interest us. Um, Connor had to pick this week, but before we get to it, I'm going to warn you that we're going to talk about what happened in the books, and so we're going to talk about, you know, they considered spoilers on the internet, so if you don't like to have things spoiled, uh, press pause, come back after you've read your books, or listen and, and, uh, be, you know, be warned that you might have it spoiled. Remember when we didn't do this disclaimer and people get all mad? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it all blends together. I don't remember anything. <laughs> when was, there, when was, was, is spoilers an internet term? Yes. Oh, Totally. Spoilers, okay. first, epic, fail. Oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, um, uh, so Connor had to pick this week. Well, and be- before we get to Connor's pick, again with the Batman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Take it away. Batman and Robin number two was the pick of the week. And as I wrote in my review, I had another big week. I had another 19 books to read. And I had a really good week of books. It was really one of those good weeks where you don't mind having 19 books to read. And... I sat down to do the pick of the week not knowing what I was going to write about. I had some of my books uh, on my left on the desk. Look, I was looking at them, and I couldn't figure out what I was going to write. I my nine on my right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How did you That's... know that? It's true. So, so I had two books to choose from, and then at the end of the day, I chose Batman and Robin, number two. And as I was writing the review, it became clear that there was no other option. I bec- there was more and more things to, to gush about and talk about. And by the end of my review, my pick of the week review, I knew – for sure, for sure that that was the pick. I mean, when I first started, I wanted to flip a coin. I wanted to pick two. If it had been 2003 and nobody had been watching or listening, I would have picked both books and I would have had a, you know, one of, back when we cheated all the time. <laughs> nobody cared. And Ron picked all the Civil War books. Um, <laughs> so Batman Robin number two, the second issue, the first issue was also pick of the week. It was Josh's pick of the week. And really from the very first page, which was just sort of a beautiful front first page image. I know Josh loved that. I, I literally opened it up and I was like, fuck. Yeah, because it was and it was like that. It hit me like that, and and it didn't let up. It told oh. the whole story of the issue in that one image, and it was so it was such a great image. Frank Quietly is just he is oh, he's killing he's killing it he's killing this book. And I've I've read online that this is he Morrison considers issue two to be where where Quietly really gets his look down where he, how he wants to draw the book and um and it's just it was a beautifully looking book. But for me, it's all about. Morrison really sort of nailing all of these characters and and really looking at the situation at the situation they're in with Batman being gone and, and Dick Grayson having to step step up and Damien being the new Robin and him not really respecting Dick and wanting to be on his own and Alfred being the mother hen for all these people and just totally nailing these characters and how they would react and, it, and there's a couple of I mean there's a first of all it's, there's, a, there's a few parts to this book one there's a fantastic fight scene in the, in the police headquarters where Batman and Robin have to stop. Pig is this, the new villain. His his army of circus freaks attack the, the, the station house, and Batman and Robin show up to save the day. And there's just some beautifully choreographed fight scenes with Siamese twins and all kinds of you know giant people and circus freaks and just some beautiful pages. And we talked about layouts last week with J. H. Williams's art. There's a there's a beautiful two page spread in here that I thought sort of rivaled anything that J. H. Williams did in that book. Yeah, that that, that that action spread, the one you're talking about when Batman gets in the fray. Yeah, yeah that that was a, that was a really great layout and a really fluid. Yeah. 
third panel in, I mean, layout aside, beside, but like the way that he drew the cape throughout his body, and the, I was like, oh my god! And then the next panel with him sort of swinging the cape out, and I was just like, and I, I literally was reading this like, oh, oh my! Like you could like each page, you were just, oh wow, this is this is something. This is this is something special being made right here. I mean. This is like like last year. I think when I read uh, it was an Ex Machina forty. That was one of my pick of the week at the end. I was like, this is a very special issue. This one, I was like, I think they just won an Eisner. Well, they don't you have know, sing- that- they don't have single issue Eisners anymore. But whatever. Then it, it doesn't matter. They could win. A he's still. They could win. They a- won an Eisner in Josh's heart. <laughs> they're still winning for All Star Superman. That book hasn't existed forever. So you know, it's really- true. Yeah. But it's it's good to mention that book because this is the same way I felt about some of the better issues of Ultra Superman, which was just like you're just seeing something special between an artist and a writer happening on the page, between getting a character that is so epic and really understanding them. And so then you had this great fight scene, and then what really capped it off for me was was the there's a four page scene back of the Batcave where Damien sort of up and quits and says, "Screw this! I don't you know I'm not going to take your orders. I'm not going to work with you." Rips off the Robin emblem and walks away. Jumps on the bike and leaves, and then Dick is just like, "This, this sucks. <laughs> no one respects <laughs> he has, me." He breaks down. He has a hissy yeah. fit. Yeah, he's like, you know, the, I can tell the cops don't respect me. Damien doesn't respect me. Um, and it's it's interesting to think like becoming Batman was, and I wrote wrote about this was a demotion. Like everyone mm-hmm. respected and liked Nightwing, but now he's just another pretender. He says that everybody just sees him as just another impersonator. So he's he's sort of dropped down in the standings by becoming Batman, and and that was an interesting. Th- thing I wasn't even considering that you know you'd come from this high point of stature and now you're just another pretender to the throne and and he has this whole long monologue about it and Alfred just basically gives him this great surrogate father speech and under, showing how great he understands Dick and who he is and what he was responds to and just sort of you know inspires him and by the end you think you know Dick's time of worry is over he's, he's got to understand what he has to do now and we always talk Josh and I always joke about how Alfred's like the greatest father in the world and we wish Alfred was our dad and this is another one of those scenes where I was just like I wish Alfred was my dad mm-hmm. well you know th- that was the one character pretty much the only character he could have done this in front of like if you want to think about how that, that works like he can't he couldn't lose his shit like that in front of anybody except Alfred and Alfred would be maybe, the only maybe person Barbara, who, but really maybe Alfred, Barbara maybe yeah, Barbara but, but in this context it works better this way totally you know, absolutely family, sort of all in one um yeah, I, I, it's, it's. I was, I was just so excited. Like I finished it, I was like, "There's, there's, there's no way that this isn't pick of the week." There's no, I mean, I, I'm almost, I'm almost at lo- a loss of words. But be, you know, like, I don't, you know, I know that there were all sorts of people. Um, last, last issue that was pick of the week that said, you know, they weren't fans of Frank Quitely because of the style or whatever. But I, I, I would have a hard time seeing how people couldn't see what's going on in this and the way that he's drawing body language and the way that he's drawing figures and and the fabric and just like how much is being said with relatively little i mean it's just there's not a ton going on in a given panel but like the bodies are saying so much in his his layouts and it's just oh i was I, yeah, no, I, I, I mean again again two weeks in a row now i'm not the batman guy and i could give two shits about the characters and all this kind of stuff but this this is a damn good issue and this is and and both morrison morrison's writing and and the picture of the characters as well and and tapping into things that you know given the situation like this is a, the most unique kind of batman and robin scenario i think i've ever read and, yeah, and, and I've, I've yeah. me too, and I've been reading for thirty yeah. years. It's and it's just, uh, so compelling. And then, and then, the, even even picking up on the 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 circus language, and of course, mm. Dick would know that. Like that was that's just totally smart. And um, quietly, like I said, quietly just kill it. This is the best quietly art I've ever seen. And hands down, my favorite panel was uh, after uh, when when Gordon and Batman finally get to Robin, and he's torturing the fat woman, and he's got the <laughs> bucket on her head, he's hitting her with a stick. Like, <laughs> I was like, because not only was it just kind of brutal, but it was kind of mean, you know. Like, was, <laughs> yeah, that's like what right. I love is that we didn't see the moment that he put the bucket on her head and just started smacking <laughs> her with it. Because, <laughs> like, when why would you consider like why what goes through your head to be like, I'm gonna put this metal bucket on and just keep hitting you until you talk? It's just like. <laughs> I, you know, I like the part where some, I, I, at some point he pointed out, he's like, you're 10. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, everything gets sort of like squished back down. You know, like, oh, shit, he is, he's 10. And he's in the, involved in all this. And it's, it's kind of, it's, and he draws him like a 10-year-old. Yep. He's got a little body and a big head. And he's just cranky and, oh, such. And it, it, that, that circus thing, like, I got to that and I just thought, 
That's gonna. That's gonna. That's good. People are gonna be talking about that for years. Yeah, that was very clever. That, that move, yeah. you know, and that that bringing and like just bringing it back to. He, he did that thing where writers talk about where they, they think about the character's roots. You know, like, well, what is he? Well, shit, he's circus people. So I can use that, and then they can use it in the performance aspect of everything. And it's so neat. That's what gets down to the point of is that with, with this whole reboot, but especially with this book, is that they really have sort of taken a fresh look at these characters that have been around for so long and have almost become so, such background material because they've always been there. And now you're really sort of rediscovering people like Dick Grayson again for the first time. And really, you know, the, his circus roots have always come back. Here and there, now and again, you know, he goes to solve a mystery in the circus and reminded he was a circus yeah. kid. But or he flips this, something. This or... really nails it that like he's in this subculture and this world that's so different from everybody else's, and he's he, he's a part of it as much as any world. And I love the big giant vehicles. I just love the over the topness <laughs> of it. Um, which we had we I'm... had the flying Batmobile flying Batmobile last time, and we have the big giant four wheel drive vehicle this time. Even tonight. Robin's motorcycle was cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, something that I noticed. I was reading the credits. Now I got the, I got the issue. Great cover by Quietly with the blue background. I love the use of primary like with the last issue with the yellow background and mm-hmm. this one with the blue of Batman. But I noticed I guess there's a variant Q, uh, Andy Kubert cover. Like what, why? Like, yeah, I, I kind of thought the same also, thing. Yeah, I know the direct market and all that, but like, you're just like, why would you even bother with this book? Like, well, it, was, yeah. it, it was selling for 25 at Midtown, so oh, that's and why. That's why. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you, I, you know, like this is just uh, the the page where uh, when he talks to to Gordon, and the, yeah. I was just amazed at how much was accomplished in in one page. You know, that last panel, like, didn't they used to be taller? Yeah, yeah. sounds familiar. It's just like, wow, the, all, all that's changed. There's so many things to play with now. It's there's there's so much stuff going on. I this, remember this, I, re- reading this and thinking, I don't want this issue to end. Yeah. No. That's, that, 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 I, I totally agree with that. Totally. I, I'm I'm going on a limb here. This is the best single comic book issue that I've read, and I don't remember how long. Years. Since last week. <laughs> yeah. No. Well. No. Honestly. <laughs> no. Like I, know, I was yeah, yeah. As, as a single issue of a comic book, and and keeping in mind, I loved the last one, and and so like I got to this one, and I was just like that. This might be the best issue. Of of just comic book ish superhero you know issue like you know, I've read in, in in years I mean it was that good I, I was it's gonna sound like complete hyperbole but I, I don't think it is I don't think it is either and it's ninety percent pick of the week on the FM Web comics which is of, ridiculously yeah. unprecedented um, yeah. mm-hmm. it's hovering a ninety one eighty nine area for the whole week which is ridiculous That's it's crazy. crazy but. So um, um, really fantastic, and I it's it's living it's just, it's amazing that they're they're they raised this they raised this bar for themselves with the first issue, and they leaped it for the second issue. Yeah. Do, do do we know who the artist is who's supposed to follow quietly? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, well, I know because that poor son of a bitch. I don't want to talk about it. Who is it? Seriously, who is it? One of the tans. Oh, it's one of the oh. tans. Oh, oh well, yeah. well, this will be nice while it lasts. Well, it's it's it's, it's a, the first arc's quietly. It goes to tan for the second arc, and quietly does the third arc. So mm. all right. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm too happy right. Don't burst. Don't burst my bubble. So I was surprised to see Batman and Robin number two be the pick of the week, considering how big a huge week it was for Marvel with Captain America Reborn. I couldn't get into the store. The lines were out down the block. The media, <laughs> well, the the media papers, was covering wasn't? it. It was on the. Yeah. It was in the on CNN. I just couldn't believe the anticlimactic crap of Captain America Reborn number one coming out. <laughs> So it's gonna it. be like it's gonna be like that. Oh God! I I this this was my co pick of the week. This was the one I would have. This so is the seriously, one this is the one that would that would have that would have done it. This is the one that I was having a hard time because I loved, and I, it was mostly you know it was most and the reason why I ended up not being the pick was because it was mostly for the last scene with Cap through the ages. Yeah. And I was, I was just a sucker for Cap in World War II, and and I liked the fact that he's sort of lost in time. And yes, it's derivative, and yes, it's happened in a billion of other places, but. Um, they found out that you know he's not his 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 body's dead, but his consciousness isn't dead. So yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cl- I mean, it, the thing is that when I read it, there, I mean, I had a couple of thoughts. I didn't love it. Um, I you know, so Brubaker and Hitch, I. I I, I don't like the fact that Hitch is continuing the white white borders in this, like he did on Fantastic Four. I don't know why that kind of bugged me. Um, I also thought the I also thought the Hitch Butch Geist kind of combination was a little off putting at times. Um, and then to, and, and then to be the nitpicker. Um, is that the vision, or is that the vision from Young Avengers? Because isn't the yeah, vision from yeah. Young Avengers it's, like it's, a kid? Right. He's a kid be. now, and it's just right. he's drawn as an adult. And then, um, and then the whole the, so so basically the 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 how they're bringing Steve Rogers back is the gun that was used unsticks him in time and his consciousness, and he's flashing in and out of his life, and it's like, well, Brubaker has been watching Lost, you know. Yeah. So, but mm. I guess you know, I just kind of. I struggled. like how Hank, Hank Pym has some pretty strong white sandals. 
I think Pim looks ridiculous that. in that in that in the wasp costume. By the way, <laughs> it does. It definitely does. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe maybe it's the combination of Geis and and Hitch. But I feel like I used to be a lot more impressed by Hitch's work. I, I think but, honestly, I think Hitch has been on, especially after Fantastic Four that came out this week. That was awful. Well, because it wasn't oh. all him. That was somebody yeah. else. Trying no, and it was it was somebody uh, scripting Miller's story. Like it was like wow, like jump ship. You know. You know, maybe it's that this. The the coloring is it? It's it's not Frank Darmada, is it? It's uh, done in that same it's style. Paul, it's though. Paul Mounts and Paul Mounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So it's sort of it's supposed to be in that style, but I don't know how good that looks on on Hitch's stuff, or if I'm just not used to it. But I don't know. I feel like by making this an event and putting Brian Hitch on it, as opposed to, I guess Steve Epting or or um, you know, I, the guys uh, would have been it would have been Luke Ross because Epting's doing the other book. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I feel like they, like you make it make it one story. It, it wasn't so much better that it was worth it. I guess is what I'm saying. Like the layouts are really nice, and there's a couple of really cool pages. Like you know, Hitch does things that you know he just doubles page spreads. He does like when they're all looking at, at Tiny Hank Pym, and they're you know they're, they're all big, and he's tiny, and it's really nice, and he can'ts the camera and stuff like that. But overall, like I didn't feel blown away by it the way that I did, say, with the Quietly issue or the way that I have been with um, the McNiven stuff on Wolverine. Well, there's something about Hitch that's been bugging me through the Fantastic Four thing, and, and especially, in, and I noticed it in this issue, is that Hitch draws snapshots really well, like Captain America standing on the beach at Normandy or, yes. or um, Sharon Carter and, and um, Hank Pym and Falcon talking and it's just that – and like the the layouts and the panel to panel lack a kind of fluidity or a dynamic aspect that I feel like he had back in when we first discovered him, like with authority and all that kind of stuff. Where the, it it feels like he's just drawing each panel as opposed to drawing the story. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I, I kind of see it's a little. Yeah. Uh, um, Stilted. Yeah, it doesn't flow. Stilted, yeah. that's yeah, stilted, the word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that, that the, the page of Cap getting out of the boat on Normandy and let's go kick these Nazis all the way back to Germany is great. But then you, mm-hmm. get, to, you, then you get to the meat of the story and it just kind of – it's just very like, yes, yeah, stilted or, or you know, staccato, you know, like so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Which is a very subjective thing. I yeah, mean, but I, I do see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this is all not to say – this is not a bad comic book by any means. I, it, it wasn't I – don't, I don't think. I, I, I think that since so much of this has been – I don't know, it feels street level, but it never was. I mean, there was a cosmic cube going the whole time. You know, the Red Skull is in and out of weird. Marvin Zola. I mean, it's never, yeah. Captain America is never street level. Yeah. So at the, end, at the end of it, like when there's the, this kind of time bullet, you know, and you see what's going on, like it fits. It feels like an old St- Stan Lee, Jack Kirby story. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it, that works really well, but I think it threw me off a little bit. I love that it's Doom Tech. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, that's Doom Tech. You can tell. It's just like, I like that. That was actually really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know we don't we don't we don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're not we're we're a little ways away from even this is an intro to the story. Um we you know so you know people have been sending us voicemails and emails and saying so like well what do you think? Well, I guess we'll find you know we don't really know yet. I'm 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 curious to see how the story goes. Always, I mean this we, is the, we always knew he was going to come back. It sounds like this was Brubaker's plan all along. I think I read somewhere that he he was going to do it much earlier and they they held back for a while. Oh wow. Um I don't remember where I read that. So it's unsubstantiated and yeah. somebody can post it but It could be rumor. But yes. um, but yeah, no. But I was just kind of meh about it. But I'm meh in general. So, um, so in a mood. so Marvel Divas number one came out, and I can't decide if it's the best thing I've ever read or the worst thing I've ever read. It was fantastic. It was um, it was a Dark Horse book where I was where I, I read it really early on, and the whole time I kept thinking about it until I read the last two comics, which were Captain America and Batman. But up till that point, Marvel Divas was, was was like the pick of the week book. Well, that's the thing. Like as I was reading it, I'm like, this is fantastic. But I'm like, but I should uh, this this should be awful. Like I was so torn while reading it. <laughs> I really did like the art, though. I really, really did like the art. The art was great. And the thing was, the thing was, the thing was yeah. I wasn't going to buy it originally. And I, you see a title called Marvel Divas, which is a terrible title, yeah, and then awful. you see a cover by J. Scott Campbell, who I like, but it's still there's yeah. a connotation there, and. And I wasn't going to buy it. Then I saw some of the art, and I said, "Whoa, wait a, wait a minute here! This isn't what I expected at all." And I read it. It was a really nice character piece, but from characters. First of all, you don't ever see, or at least I don't ever see. And second of all, it was all about them as people, not about what they do in the costumes. Which I always like those stories from behind the costume and what they do with their lives. I always li- like those stories, and they were all charming and appealing characters. I really got to pick that 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 uh, Patsy Walker Hellcat trade that with the uh, with the La Fuente art, and I think Kathy Immerman wrote uh, just yeah. came, just came out. I want to pick up that trade because that that, ser- that miniseries would be great. 
from everything I've heard. Yeah, heard and I don't lot. know if it ties into this at all, but um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I like, I, I kind of like, I, I, I kind of really like this issue, but I feel uh, for some reason I'm ashamed to admit it. Don't, don't be why. ashamed. It was great. Because it's I found the It's that Roberto Aguirre Sacasa guy who apparently is supposed to suck. He was the guy that Jemis wanted to wa- wanted to replace Wade and Ringo with on Fantastic Four. Um, but he's also the guy who wrote that four series that I like. So I don't know. I'm torn. You know, um, I think I liked it. I found the dialogue kind of irritating, but that's a taste thing. Yeah, this is more up my alley than yours, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I was like, uh, stop being cutesy and pitter pattery. <laughs> Come on, girl. That's, that's that's what life is. I mean, that's how, I mean, that's how girls talk. Yeah. On Sex in the City. Or, yeah, or, see, that's the thing that because I'm like this is totally just Marvel Sex in the City and and by all rights I should I should be hating that but yeah so. or women you you know in New York that I know all the time would talk like this yeah. want to talk like they're on Sex in the City what? well that's well that's what life like is now we all wanted to talk like we were in a Kevin Smith movie ten years ago but that, is, that doesn't change the fact that that's what actually happens out in the real world yeah <laughs> <laughs> outside of your apartment yeah. <laughs> I left this week. <laughs> 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 all right so um so justice league cry for justice number one came out and this is james robinson and moro casicoli's <laughs> miniseries and before we get into it just a little observation that was made when i was in the comic book store if you look at this cover real quickly right and then look, look away then look away look at it again quickly then look away justice league gay for justice <laughs> it really i do see that <laughs> some unfortunate typography going on on the cover yeah. <laughs> so, so Connor and I were talking about this before the show, um, and, and we we're talking about the unique, uh, the unique situation the Justice League seems to be in with this miniseries that that's never happened before. Well, the whole premise is Hal Jordan gets fed up that that the leagues getting their butt kicked and people are dying. John Jones is dead. Batman's they think he's dead, and, and he says, "Screw this, we're going to be proactive." And I was like, "Again?" He said, "What happened to justice?" He's like, "We're a league. We're a society. We're a league society. What about justice?" <laughs> And in, in 1994, there was a book called Extreme Justice because in 1994, everything was extreme. Extreme! Uh, that was the same premise where a bunch of the leaguers said, we're not, we're not being badass enough. We're going to go be badass. And then it happened again, Ron. It happened again in uh, early 2000s. Was it 04, 03, 04? With yeah. Joe Kelly and did Justice League Elite when yeah. uh, he introduced some new characters, but then they siphoned off along with um, uh, Wally West, The Flash, and Green Arrow. And, and that, Captain Adam, I think. Yeah. Or that was the first no, one no, movie. no. Man Captain, Adam was, Captain Adam was the extreme justice team. Yeah, no, this is Wally and, and, and uh, Major Disaster or whatever. And they were going to be a covert team that was going to strike before things happened. And they were going to get justice hey. in advance. Yeah. All right, but besides that, you read it. What did you think of the actual issue? Because that's, that's all, you know, yeah. that's all selling tools or whatever. I thought it was um, a really good Elseworlds story. Yeah, I can see that. Because <laughs> it didn't really fit into anything that's going on now or any of the characterizations. Right. So I, 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 I read it about three pages in. And I went, okay, this is happening in another world. Yeah. Now I can enjoy it. I, I, I really liked uh, Congo Bill. Congorilla. Congorilla. Uh, seriously, like no joke. Like that whole sequence, I thought was fantastic. When he's cr- when his whole everyone, like I thought that was beautiful. That, the I whole- was happy to spend some time with Michael Thomas again. I was like, okay, that's a character that, that James Robinson can definitely work with, and, and it'll be interesting. Um, I I gotta say, this was the the Mauro Cassioli guy. He he wrote he did the second half of um, the Trials of Shazam after um, Howard Porter, I guess, broke his hand. Yeah. Yes. Um, I I. In that, he did it in the same style that, that Porter had been doing it beforehand, whereas this is a much more photoreal, almost like, a, almost like Glenn Fabry, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it almost feels like it, the art was a little too much, because it, it was very... Um, I, I, I agree with that. It was, it was very painted. Yeah, and I, which always feels stiff to me, like it had no um, expression in it, I suppose. Um, because it was all made to be so realistic, and and I, I, I would have liked it more if he did it in the same style he used in the other book, um, but but that, like, that's a taste thing. Besides that, I thought you know like the, the layouts and the storytelling and everything were fine, but I, I don't like that that painted stiff photorealistic style very much. Um, and why is Batgirl on the cover? Because or Batwoman? Because Greg Rucka said pretty explicitly like he's nobody else is going to use her I guess while he's doing. The origin story. Well, because the origin story is, was written two years ago, so technically nobody had used it in that period of time. I, when I saw the cover, I thought it was really cool because I thought the team was Green Arrow, Batwoman, Starman, Michael, and Shazam, and Captain Cold, and Bizarro, and Poison Ivy. I was like, cool! I was like, that's a team I can get behind! 
Um, I, I think I th- I don't feel like a lot has happened here. So we don't really I don't really know anything. There was a lot of cry for justice. Justice. There was. I need justice. A lot of justice crying. I liked the little afterward at the end. That was nice to read. And the, you know, the like the one thing that James Robinson can do is dig up little chunks of the DC universe that people have forgot about and make them interesting. Yeah, no, actually, so, I enjoyed the writing at the at the end of it more than the yeah. issue. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll see. It's, it's again, it's a first issue. It's, it's not really much to. I actually am excited for him on Justice League. I think that like you know, after all the shit that's gone on with Justice League in the past year, you know, it seems like he's got a reverence for the characters, and you know, I don't know. So. It's funny because in the very that's, first page, Green and Lantern standing there, and it says, "I have something something to say. I don't think I could take this anymore." And I found that to be a very meta commentary. Yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. That's how I feel. How I can't take this shit anymore either. So, um, uh, <laughs> again, a lot of bolts, a lot of bolts in this one. <laughs> so I don't. I can take this. Go on. <laughs> so Savage Dragon number 150 came out, and uh, this is the uh, whenever Eric Larson hits one of these milestones, we get a 100-page kind of spectacular. Um, 599 a little pricey, but for 100 pages, there's just a ton of content, a lot of fun. And the thing with Savage Dragon, I know I've been, I've been saying ever since you know he kind of got back on track with this, is that what, what shocked me with this issue is that Larson is completely having fun with it, and you don't know what to expect. Like, no, not not at all. Yeah, every, every are you did you pick this up or? Oh yeah, I've been reading it for a while now. It's, how, um, how great was there? Were a couple of great moments in this when, um, well, basically the whole the whole pr- premise of this issue is that Overlord, um, his, his kind of nemesis from the, the the vicious circle from the when the series started, the armor is back and someone has taken the ar- control of the armor. We don't know who it is, and um, and all the while there's all these little subplots going on when uh, the female Dart killed the one of Daredevil's little buddies. <laughs> I actually, oh, yeah, like it me was, too. Yeah, it was, I yelled. It was unexpected and vicious. Yep. And chop, 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 chop. <laughs> and so, so she killed. So that was unexpected. And then Overlord meets up a dragon, and as opposed to them fighting, this guy's like, "Listen, we should be working together." And there was a lot of you know, kind of general like where Savage Dragon goes, "Oh, come on, is this like in the first Spider-Man movie?" Which, which made me laugh. Like the the writing, I thought was funny because it makes you think dragon exists in our world. But I thought that was a unique take on the two characters and their. Kind of the the um, the challenge between the two of them, the conflict between the two of them, and then it ends with Overlord basically blowing up Savage Dragon. <laughs> well, not just blowing him up, but he just shoots him with his beam, and it all left his legs and two arms, like his whole torso has been. Which I feel has so. I feel is, is how Savage Dragon has ended at least every other issue for the past like five issues. <laughs> just like it's, I, I, Larson just has so much fun with this, and I just love reading it. So. It's a very fun sort of goofy romp where you know it doesn't take itself too seriously and it has a good time just being over the top. Yeah. But still, still interesting and smart. And a lot of the reprints were interesting. One of them was the origin, which I had read before. I don't, I didn't remember where I read it, but I did read it. This is yeah. before. Uh, I guess it was Savage Dragon Zero. That answers my question. But yeah. um, yeah, no, it was really fun, really worth the money. It was, it's thick. I mean, I, I got to this in my stack and I was like, oh, it's like four comics. I really have like twenty-two comics. Yeah, and if anything, it's worth it for the back cover where Larson drew a one one page uh, comic strip of Bacon Mummy. Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> Which is just awesome. It's a mummy. It was it's a, very funny. It's a mummy made of bacon. <laughs> so, bacon mummy. So. So yeah, he's, I mean, he's just having a, such a good time with it. And people, I see people all complaining about how it's all goofy, and that's the whole point of it. It's, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be goofy, and it's supposed to be fun, yeah. and 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 not you know story about. It. It's not like uh, grim and gritty like most books are. It's just fun. It's a fun book, right? And it's great. It's great to see him. You know, now that he's kind of fully disengaged from being publisher and just focus on his book, and and he's one of the he's one of the few creators who are truly doing it for the love of making comic. Like he wants to make his comic for the rest of his life, and. And it's Savage Dragon, and it's how can you not enjoy that? So um. I've been like 15 years, and going, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sick of Dragon. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've heard him talk about if it. I could, if I could only go back and take those words back. <laughs> so, all right, cool. So check out Savage Dragon, and you can also uh, head over to uh, head over to audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy and check out the wonderful world of audiobooks. Um, if you want to listen to it, Audible has it. They've got over 60,000 titles in virtually every genre, including science fiction and fantasy and all that nerd stuff that we're all into. Um, you can, you can, you know, I, I would be hard-pressed for you to find a book that you don't want to listen to. Um, if you don't listen to audiobooks, they're a great way for, for commutes or traveling or when you go running or anything like that. Um, they're, they totally work on your iPod. They work with iTunes. It's totally all integrated. Whatever you use to listen to uh, your music, you can use to listen to the audiobooks. Um, and you can get a free audiobook and a 14-day trial if you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy and sign up free 14 days how can you turn that down it's free 
Um, and we actually went into Audible, and we have a couple of picks for you in case you need a suggestion on what to use that free audiobook for. Josh, what was your pick? Uh, I picked a book uh, by Neil Gaiman called Nancy Boys uh, with a uh, narration by a guy named Lenny Henry. And it is uh, it's 10 hours and 5 minutes, so it's, it's a good chunk of time. Um, Anansi's the African spider god. And as you know, Neil Gaiman likes to do stories about people who find out their gods are related to gods. There's some gods. There's gods There's in it. spider totems? Or was it a different one that was Spider-Man? Uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Justice League anyway. totems? Actually, the thing that impressed me was the story was good, and it was fun, and it's Neil Gaiman. He's capable, but the, the guy who read it was really good. Really, really good. And my pick uh, is partially influenced by me just finishing up the first two seasons of Mad Men at a, at a, a manic pace and inspired by Burt Cooper from Mad Men. I picked uh, uh, Anne Rand's The Fountainhead, um, and it's actually narrated by Christ- Christopher Hurt, and I was reminded of it by watching Mad Men when, when it got mentioned a couple times, and The Fountainhead is probably one of, the, one of three books that changed my life, so maybe it will change your life too, and you can listen to it, so... Um, so go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash ifanboy and get, and get into the world of audiobooks. You're already one step there with podcasts, so audiobooks. They're fun. Steve Ditko loves Ron. Hey, a uh, <laughs> new book that came out from uh, an image was uh, uh, Existence 2.0. We are in, Num- a, we're in a weird image. The image has got a couple of solid hits on their hands, and I think Existence 2.0 is another one. That's, that's a valid point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick it up or – I did. I read it. Um, I I didn't love it, and then by the end, I was a little more hooked, and it went from being a three to a four. But it took me a while, um, because it's one of those stories that they just throw you into, and you have to take a little while to figure out what's going on. I think the thing that got me is the the dude that it's about. Let me uh, very quickly. Uh, a guy finds out that he is um, he's living a, another in another body, like he was killed and is transferred into another body, and now he's trying to solve something from his previous life but he's kind of a dick whoa, so whoa, whoa, that, but no you're, you're it's you're stepping all over it though because it's it's the guy the guy is a the guy is a scientist and he is a modern day scientist and he makes the point that you know all the you know this idea of science and doing it for the nature of good and stuff like that that's gone in this day and age and really you know the, the true scientific advancements are happening for those who who will pay for it and he gets locked away to develop something for terrorists, and it turns out to be this idea of brain transference where you can transfer your, your consciousness into another's body. And a lot of discussion about the ethics of science and, like, and how he's like, yeah, you know, we're funded by terrorists, but we, you know, we were going to screw them over anyway. You know, like we, were, we weren't going we to give it to them. We were just going to take the money. And through a dumb mistake, he leaves his lockup and he gets killed and he uses the transference to transfer into the body, the body of his assassin. And now he finds out that his daughter has been, been taken and so he wants to find out who, um, who killed him and what they've done with his daughter. And it's a great kind of, you know, uh, kind of little, you know, uh, I, it remind, reminded me of Memento at times. Because basically he's in this body and he doesn't know who he like all he, he, he all these people, but he doesn't know who they are because it's it's not his mind, you know, it's not it's not his body. Yet he also has the skills of the assassin and he's able to you know he's able to fight and he's able to shoot and all this kind of stuff. And the body is kind of market it's younger and a little better and it's in better shape and you know. And I just thought it it hit on all it hit like that gritty a little bit of science fiction but you know but set in the real world you know like i don't know i thought it was great like it totally surprised me i did did not expect it i wasn't even gonna buy it but the cover grabbed me so Mm. um yeah yeah, nick spencer and ron salas um and it came out of the shadow line line of of image and i don't know i I was this is the book that i don't know if it would have been my book book of the pick of the week but um but it was definitely up there for me i thought it was really good I liked it all right. What I did like from Image, just, you know, because they did lots of things. Uh, Chew number two came out. I gave this one five stars. Easy. Um, it was better than the last issue. Um, it, it firmed up what this world was, and it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of action and a lot of, a lot of humor, and there's, like, a, a mystery going on with the, the big, fat dude. Um, the characters are interesting. It's, it was a good book, you know, and the, and the art doesn't look like anything else, but it does the job really, really well. Chew is, uh, the, is the surprise hit of the summer. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, great, I, great. I loved the first issue. I, I liked this issue. I thought a lot of it was, was really familiar. I thought all the stuff with the uh, the kids at the, at the fast food restaurant, all those sort of retreads of stuff I've seen a million times in other places, and and uh, the the asshole boss. It just all felt, a lot of, a lot of it felt very sort of retready in this issue. I can see that. 
Um, I, can, I, I was, like I guess that's better because it built the world more and more of the stuff about the chicken and then and how the society's built up without chicken and stuff. That was more interesting to me than, than the, the, the other stuff that sort he, of wrote. We are split in our allegiances this week. Let's see if we can get it back together. Uh, what's the next one? Final Crisis Run number three. I did not read it. <laughs> oh, I did. No, I, I this was uh, – Connor, did you read this one? Mm-hmm. What did you think compared to last time? Uh, also not as good as the last issue. I thought the last issue, I didn't, I don't know. I'm not connecting with the series. I didn't, re- I didn't really like the first issue. I liked the second one a lot. I, the third one was kind of back to the first issue. I just don't necessarily care about what's yeah. happening anymore. I really dug this issue. I gave this one a five also. Um, I just thought it was fun. I don't know why I like this and I didn't like secret six. They're very similar, but like, I think we're just building to the point where I think, I think that the, the human flame guy is just going to get completely screwed over and I'm waiting for it with, with anticipation. I guess in Secret Six, like you, you know that they're going to be okay because they are the stars of it. But in this one, I feel like you're, you're, we're setting up and we're waiting for this guy's failure, mm-hmm. and, and we keep moving towards it. I really enjoyed this one. I think I think Freddie Williams is doing a great, great job too. Yeah, no, the art the art here is better than his. This is his best art he's had yeah. so far. Um, mm-hmm. Some really dynamic, big action pages. I don't know. I just feel like I don't like the main character. I don't necessarily care what happens to him. He keeps getting really badly hurt in his tissue and, and bouncing back at the beginning of the next one. And it's just kind of like there's so far the stakes are n- nil because of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair um, enough. So we'll see. Um, the, no one can say that we all agree. That's I think that that's clear. Uh, Mighty number six. This I feel like was, we're going to agree about this one. Uh, this was my favorite issue of the series so far. This was really good. This was, uh, I mean, the whole time they've been hinting that the bad thing is going to happen and now we know that she, we knew last time but now we're getting a real hint of it and almost in a way it's sort of similar to, to irredeemable really uh but but builds up in a different way because irredeemable started off you know right at the beginning with uh in irredeemable 4 that was this week right yes mm-hmm. yes it was that was and that was also that was my favorite issue of that one too it was good yeah um, but this, like, it was just two different approaches to it. The very beginning of Irredeemable is him killing everybody. With this one, we were given five issues to go, ooh, is this Alpha One? Is he a good guy? Or And this one is just this slow, creepy, he takes the dude up in space, and you're just like, oh, what's going to happen? And, uh, <laughs> and, and Somni is just killing on this. I mean, well, this I, love, like, I love the, the, the mood they're building here, and Pete Tomasi <laughs> is the writer on this, and it's been fantastic. And, every, and really, I mean, the, the, the pulls on this are criminally low. People need to check, be checking this book out. Uh, when the six. Yeah, when the trade comes this, out for sure. This well, is the end of the mood. No, no, it's, it's not, not. going to be a six-issue trade. You might have to wait a little while. I'm just, I mean, but really, like taking their time with it and building it up, and that's why I think I took my time deciding whether I really liked it. But this one nailed it. This is the best issue so far. Like the, when he shows up with the spacesuit, says, "Hey, let's go look at the stars, chum." You just feel like the sense of <laughs> dread wash over you because you know, yeah. and it's and it's coupled with him being so like outwardly nice. You just know he's he's got some bad intentions going on. There's out, a really is. nice panel on the. Is it the second page where he's like looking at the dudes at the beat of sweat? Yes. Oh, I was like, that's really, really nice. That's that's good stuff right there. Cool. Um, finally, Jonah Hex number forty-five. Uh, the the this is the six-part Jonah Hex arc. Um, I really liked this a lot. I love bringing yeah, all these too. characters together. I love Tallulah Black, and I, I. It's been like so. It's been years now where he's building up these relationships with all these people that Jonah Hex professes to not like. And and they're all going to be coming together, and it's just fun. It's just a fun, fun issue. Good stuff. Yeah, the, the given given more room to work, it's been fantastic, and the art is just is just great. This is a nice yep. art. This is gonna really be really beautiful. Cool. So um, so you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, see all the books that come out every week, and you can pick them, and you can pull you know, do your pull list, and rate and review them. And we've got a couple of user reviews we want to highlight. Uh, first one comes from Miyamoto Freak, who reviewed Greek Street. Greek Street number one, which was a uh, number one issue from Vertigo, so it was a dollar. Uh, he gave the story a three out of five and the art a four out of five, and nobody made it their pick of the week this week so far. And a Miyamoto Freak says that Greek Street number one is a strange book. It gives all these tidbits of information out, some bizarre occurrences linked to Greek stories, and a lot of characters to in- introduce, yet I don't really know what it is. Is it a meta-like commentary on fiction like The Unwritten, or is it a retelling of these stories in a modern world? It's really too early to tell. Still interesting enough to warrant a second-issue purchase. The creative team doesn't hurt. And that creative team was Peter Milligan and David Gianfelice. And um, I picked this up, and oh my god. What does that mean? It was awful. Oh. <laughs> I like I like John Felice's art, and that's why I picked yeah, it up. Yeah, was real good. Yeah. And you've been saying good things about Pete Milligan, and, I, and he's a little crazy, and, and, and a dude fucked his mom. Well, that's just the Oedipus thing. I, yeah. I, I will tell you that I 
you know, I have not been a Pete Milligan fan over time, but he's been doing really well over at Hailblazer, so I was like, oh, I'll give this a shot. Um, there was to me there there was nothing. Um, there was nothing no humanity. Yeah, nothing. Redeemable. nothing yeah. Yep. There was, and it's just a bunch of horrible shit happening to who seemed like horrible people, and it and like I, I don't I, there was there was no humanity in this for me to want to read, and and maybe I don't understand the um, the reference material well enough to understand what's happening, but. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I needed something else. The, the art was fine, but I mean, it's, it's it looks like it's 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 Greek, you know, classic Greek tales told on the street, urban, mm-hmm. whatever. So you see, I oh. tried. I spent the dollar. The, everyone's talking hey. about the unwritten. Vertigo took a chance. Didn't work out. So. You, should, you should read the unwritten. The unwritten is good. No There's problem. a third one coming out in a few months. Another yeah. another one to do it for dollar. It's a good idea. I wouldn't have bought this otherwise. Yeah. But I'm glad I checked it out. It was, you know, it was good stuff. And you know what? The fact is, there's gonna be people who like this book. Yeah, I got peer pressured into it at the store. They're like, "Come all on, right. it's a dollar," and I was like, "All right, fine." fine. Go, go get the unwritten dollar issue. All right, fine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, Durson, who talked about Terry Moore's Echo Number Thirteen, giving the story a five out of five and the art a four out of five. Nobody picked this as pick of the week, and he said, "This well, is hard for me." When, a, when, when one book's 90% of the pick, there's going to yeah, be a lot of nobody books. nobody listens. That's true. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, this is hard for me to imagine, and it's only 13 issues in, but I'm liking Echo better than Strangers in Paradise, and I have all 90 issues of SIP. I know the criticism is that there is a slow build to this book, but I love that because I have faith in Terry Moore that the payoff will be huge. Meanwhile, every issue of Echo has uh, had all the elements to keep me interested while he builds the characters and plot, political intrigue, ordinary people put in their extraordinary circumstances, a wee bit of sexual tension between the two main characters and a hot chick who can blast people with her breasts what more could you ask for um i i i, I, I of course i love terry moore and i love Children of paradise and i'm loving echo my i i discovered a criticism of it with this issue is that it mm-hmm. ends too abruptly every issue though well yeah but every no but every issue it's like i turn the page and it's an ad like mm-hmm. it's just like i was like oh okay so we're done like it, it like i know I, I know he's i know and i know it's going to read great in the trade and i understand that and i think it's great that that it reads great in issue and trade but i would just like some more issue like closure i guess you know? I, you know, I think even at the end of that last page, like a little to be continued or yeah, something. I know, I know what you're saying. Note. Yeah. To tell you the truth, I always felt like that was Strange in Paradise and Issues too. Oh, interesting. I never felt like that. Way. I, I no. definitely felt like that. Um, but I, you know, I, everything that Durson said, I'm down with. I'm this is a, I, well, I don't love it more than Strange in Paradise, but no, I don't either. It's, I, a di- it's a different story, though. It, it's a totally different story. So yeah. it makes sense that one person might might like it more than the other. You know, it's just it's been it's really fun to read every time. You know, each chapter they they feel criminally short, but that's because of the way that he's telling it, and I think he he told it that way before. It's solid. Um, it's just solid. I mean, this, and that, I laughed that he gave the story a five out of five and the art a four out of five because it's the writer <laughs> artist. It, it would, I think it'd be equal. Oh, but um, a- <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's just he's just solid, and it's just I'm so glad to see that the Post Strangers book is is good. I'm so glad. So yeah, I know yeah. It, could, it was really like a, uh, but I mean, it, it's great. It's a great book. Yeah. It's a great series. So head over to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and uh, do your picks and your reviews and write a review. And, um, and we love to hear what people think of comics and, and everybody – people are commenting on each other's reviews over at ifanboy.com. It's, all, it's a ton of fun. So. Time for an email. The first one's from Lewis from Austin, Texas. And he says, based on the strength of their current books, if you had to choose between Marvel or DC for the next 12 months, which would you choose? I grew up in Marvel, but between the new Batman books, Blackest Night, World of New Krypton, I have to pick DC right now. That's a really good question. I think he's right because I think I think I, I you know I like them both, but I think in, you've got these pockets of DC universes: in Batman, Green Lantern, the Green Lantern pocket, Superman pocket, the Flash pocket, and they're all really strong. Yeah, well, that, well, let's look over across the street. So at Marvel, you got uh, Amazing Spider-Man. That's right. pretty, that's good. Okay, you've got the whole Avengers world, which is not as it's, it's not as, as it's not as compelling as it dark, was before. Dark, dark Rain, all that kind of stuff. Right? Not compelling. Um, all right. So, what other worlds? Uh, I would say the I would say the, the X Men world right now isn't matching Batman or Blackest Night or, or anything like that. Oh. Um, what other little corners? Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Daredevil. No, Ultimates is Ultimates is a mess. Captain America, pretty good, but it's only the one title. Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, like, and, I, and then the cosmic stuff, the oh. War of Kings is the, but that's 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 the best thing they got going for them right now. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because my my innate my innate kind of reaction was Marvel, but then mm-hmm. here and you know I'm not a Batman guy, but but the Green Lantern stuff and Flash, I've, yeah, I feel like the tides have turned a little lately. But it's funny because um, because DC can't sell; they're not selling. I mean, Marvel's kicking their ass in issues. Sell, sell. Well, that's because Marvel zombies will buy Marvel no matter what, so it doesn't make a difference. But the the will, quality like, last stuff, week, right? 
right now is 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 all in DC. I think right at the moment. I think last week was real telling, you know, because they dumped all that stuff on us, both companies, and I was like, I couldn't get through the Dark Reign stuff fast enough for the most part, and the, and DC stuff was exciting me. I mean, look at what's look, you're right, I and mean, look at all the different areas where they're they're doing just bang up work now. And it should be noted, Jeff Johns has nothing to do with these Batman books. So well, it's Grant Morrison, so I would I, uh, and Greg Rucka and Greg Rucka, right? Yeah, yeah so. But last hey. year we were saying it was all the quality was all Marvel side, which it was. And this year yeah. I think they they put some guys back on books they needed to be back on. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, I've, I've been bashing DC for the past year, saying that it's a mess and all stuff. But I think I think that they're in a good, pretty good spot right now. So. All right. We're, we're with you, Lewis. Our next email comes from Bob G from Walthamstow, East London, UK. Uh, and he says there are comic writers who are my total favorites with a U. Uh, those who, whose work speaks to me on a very personal level, such as Warren Ellis, Brian K. Vaughn, Ed Brubaker, Jason Aaron, Brian Azzarello, and the Luna Brothers. However, if I was dragged to gunpoint from my bed late one night, spirited away by a car, and then playing to a distant desert island, and then forced to live out my days alone with only the work of one particular comic writer, I'd have to choose my beloved collection of Garth Ennis comics. And finding yourselves in the same strange and, hey, surreal situation, whose work would you choose to take with you to that sun-kissed desert isle? Josh. Gar- Garth Ennis is a really good choice. He's a very I, good choice. And I think that when you when you look at all of those things, he's not the one that, that snaps out at you immediately. Um, I think I would probably go with Alan Moore um, for, for my stuff just because it feels like there's, there's so much there that you could have to discover forever and keep reading. And, and you know, um, But Garth Ennis would not be far behind. I really, you know, my, my first instinct to say Alan Moore, but then when I thought about it in terms of just output and, and different kinds of output, different kinds of stories and, and genres and things, I don't, I don't know that Garth Ennis would, can be matched. That's so From, you, you from hit, Hitman to Preacher to the war stories to, you know, all kinds of different, just he does so many different, all the Punisher stuff he's done, it would just be, there'd be stacks and stacks of different kind of comics there, and I think. So Alan Moore's Garth, great, but there'd be less work. You'd go less with Garth Ennis? I'd go with Garth Ennis. You're saying that Garth Ennis is your favorite writer. I'd say if I had one library at this very moment, because just because the library is probably longer and, and more varied than our, than Alan Moore's is. Interesting. Interesting. I'm on the desert island. I need things to read. Hmm. I probably, I mean, Claremont aside, I'd probably go with Jeff Johns. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, between between the between his initial run on Flash and then what he's doing on Green Lantern and then the whole Justice Society and then whatever's coming up with Flash and Green Lantern. I mean, like I feel like that would get the most, you know, kind of enjoyment, you know, kind of last. Are, are you allowed to read? But that's only going to give you one type of comic, right? Well, that's the tough that's thing. That's the tough thing is that a very few to Garth Ennis's to Garth Ennis's strength, no, very few other writers have done b- greatness on both sides. You know, I mean, there's no, you know, Terry Moore's dabbled in in superhero stuff, but really, you know, he's an indie guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's you know, there's nobody with a great work that that's on both sides, and that's why it looks like Garth Ennis is is, is a good choice. So I just I don't like him that much. I mean, I don't mind him, you know, but I'm not as diehard for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Good job, Bob G. <laughs> And we all had answers for it right away, too. Yeah. It was none of this. <laughs> so if you've got a good question, we challenge you to write in to contact.ifanboy.com and ask us. Uh, we would also say, hey, uh, why don't you go to InStock Trades if you need some trade paperbacks? Say, say that you want to prepare for this journey. You want, you want in to case go, you have a go bag ready to go. Go, go buy every – find your – Favorite, I don't know. Uh, go to InStock Trades for up to 37% off of, of trade paperbacks and hardcovers. Free shipping for orders over $50. You can get over 5,400 of those trade paperback volumes in stock. They're available for order right now. New releases are listed every single Wednesday, and your order usually ships within 48 hours. Go to www.instocktrades.com, and you can still get this uh, month's book of the month, I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and uh, Ken Nomura, for 47% off. That's $10.07. Honestly, I haven't heard a bad review of them. It's like the only book that I haven't, haven't heard somebody go, oh, I didn't really like it. Yeah. Everybody's will been be like a new that. book of the month yeah. uh, probably as you're hearing this. So Exactly. So you want to look to InStock Trades for that book too. <laughs> I, just had a, I just had a shot of fear. I was like, is it me? No, is it's it me. Oh, okay. It's me. I got it. It's covered. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. So on to the voicemail. Our first voicemail uh, is addressing some comments I made. Hey, uh, this is Jeff from Texas. This, this is for Ron. Uh, the Metal Wings in Uncanny have been addressed. The Beast, uh, Hank questioned Warren about him and, like, why he can just change all of a sudden. And Warren was like, you know, don't talk to me about that. And the Beast was like, uh, we need to have a conversation about this. And Warren kind of blew him off. But, like, Beast is, like, Beast is aware of it. But he just hasn't. Warren 
for some reason that hasn't been revealed yet doesn't want to discuss how he can turn it on and off. But it, it, it's coming because Fractions laid the groundwork for it. So, Ron, just sit back. It'll all be answered in a little bit probably. Hopefully. I don't know. I'm sorry, man. Okay, a lot of people wrote to me. I got a lot of feedback about my comments about Angel. I'm reading the same comics you are, people. I saw, I didn't miss that. I saw that. I just don't like it. <laughs> right? You don't introduce something and have a character go, we need to talk about this, and the character go, ah, not now. Like, ah. So I'm not an idiot. Well, well you. Uh, didn't you didn't you say they didn't address it though? No, they 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 didn't. By, I, what I meant by they didn't address it is that they haven't explained it, and then maybe it's a plot point. And it's going to build up or something. But like what's a lot that's going on in the X Men world, it's seemingly out of nowhere with no explanation and very contrived. And that's that's my problem with it. I don't like it. That's, that's that, the, the point is whenever Archangel's involved, it's bad. No, that's Isn't not that, true because he can be he's great. He's one of my favorite characters. He needs to just be regular Angel. No, I I even like Archangel. Just pick oh. Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 I got in, when I got into the X Men, he was Archangel. That's the that's the angel I fell in love with, and he wooed wrong. me like you wouldn't believe it. He's the Archangel, <laughs> the Angel of the Arches. He can protect McDonald's everywhere. Yeah. Next uh, voicemail is from Luke from Denver. Hey, fanboy, it's Luke from Denver. Uh, so I'm trying to get into GI Joe right now. I used to be a huge fan of the toys when I was a kid, but I didn't really know anything about like the story or the characters or anything. I just kind of played with them. And I was kind of wondering, what's the difference between Destro and Cobra Commander? Because I don't, I, they seem to be both leaders of the same thing, but like one of them's a bumbling idiot and the other one's not. And um, also, Josh, could you do his voice? Because that's the best thing about this show right now, besides Ron and his strange love of X Men. And. Um, Bye. All right, the way I've always understood the Cobra Commander Destro breakdown is Cobra Commander is the supreme ruler of Cobra, the, the terrorist organization that hopes to rule the world. Destro is the Scottish, although in the cartoon he never had the accent, the Scottish arms dealer who supplied Cobra their weapons and would just sort of hang around. He's kind of like a consultant who's not officially part of the Cobra hierarchy, but he's always there and he's important because he, he brings the weapons in. And so, so he's only got the one client, so he's always attentive. Yeah, he's to somewhat limited. Like GI Joe's not buying his weapons, so he's got right. he's, he's he's got a vested interest in Cobra doing well. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, just by by his, by Dane of him being always there and <laughs> being important, and you know being the guy that supplies the weapons, he has a lot of respect. Um, but doesn't really. He's not officially part of the Cobra hierarchy. But if if Cobra Commander were to die or something, probably they would look to him because he he's he, he's so. When I worked in TV, there was a creative consultant who was who was there who wasn't officially part of. He didn't work for the network, but he was. He could order you around because he was a consultant. That's kind of oh, like yeah. what Dustin was. William H Macy's character in Sports Night. Yes, yeah. very much that. Yep. Um, so, I mean, what's really interesting about Cobra though is that is that the the leadership organization really all over because you had Cobra Commander running Cobra and Destro doing his little arms thing and Zartan was was also a freelancer. He was just a hired thug and his and the Dreadnoughts they were like muscle. They, they don't forget Tom Max and Zaymot. Yeah, yeah. Serpentor messes the whole thing up. Right, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Cobra didn't have their shit together as much and as And Major Blood. I mean, everybody yeah. wanted a piece of the pie, and that's the problem with Cobra. They well, never Major got their Blood shit together. and Baroness were, were truly Cobra. Like, they had the Cobra logo on them. Right, they, but they, they were, were yeah. always trying to undermine Cobra Commander to take charge for themselves. And that's why, you know, Cobra Commander, all the fault can't fall on him because he's always being undermined by his, his underlings. Right, but the, I guess the point I'm making is that is that um, Destro and Zartan weren't on – they weren't full-timers. They were freelancers. You know, and, you know, it's Cobra doesn't. But, they don't. They don't. They don't move up from within. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They don't. So, they don't promote from within. Where to go? Yeah. yeah. Also, there's no other market for the trouble bubble. So really, <laughs> I mean, that's those are the only people. Who else are you gonna sell a his tank to? This is gonna want that France. France isn't gonna be like we need his tanks. He doesn't. <laughs> you see, that was the problem with branding all of Destro's weapons with snake themes, like the it's Rattler. True. Like GI Joe's not buying a Rattler. You know. <laughs> They need the Thunderstrike, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> the pogo. Remember the pogo ball? Yeah. That's a dumb weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, so it and it has a glass dome. Yeah. I'm not getting that. Do the voice. <laughs> Do it, monkey. There's a complete buffoon. <clears throat> That's the only line I remember. No, the, the irony that's well, – okay, we'll tell everybody a little story from my fanboy history is that one year at San Diego, Josh was – Obsessed with talking like Cobra Commander for the entire time, he was going. <laughs> he was going. He was going. Lies! 
and doing the <laughs> doing the Cobra Commander thing, and we all kind of tolerated it. But then he busted out this dead on impression of Destro that was like watching the cartoon out of nowhere. It was, <laughs> I did a Cobra Commander. And so our point was, dude, you got to ditch doing Cobra Commander and just do Destro. <laughs> Probably less less stress on the vocal cords too. Yeah, exactly. It is much less, and also, but I want to I want to be able to do it and add the Scottish accent. Does he sound right. like? That? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that was a long week. Yeah, it was a long week. I always thought Destro was was black. No, I think they got... played him that way. Yeah. 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 But in the comics, he was always Scottish. Yeah. yeah. With that ruby. Because they're always selling. He had a big '70s shirt that was open with the with the, with the necklace hanging down. No one ever really re- you know looked at that. Realized that's what he was doing. <laughs> Like Burt Reynolds under there. <laughs> Why is How does G.I. Joe not the best thing ever? Do the voice Honestly. G.I. Joe, the show gets fantastic. Do, do the voice of the show. Do Burt Reynolds. Do that's Burt Reynolds. That's true. Yeah, Cobra Commander. <laughs> right? Yeah? No? All right. Trouble bubble. <laughs> Turd Ferguson. Oh, God. Oh, G.I. Joe is the best thing ever. All right. Funny. So if you have G.I. Joe questions, call us at 188-FANBOYS. It's funny. <laughs> 2697. 326-2697. All right. Oh, God. Um, couple of, a couple of podcast notes. Uh, this past week, you will have noticed the first episode of iFanboys Booksplode, uh, number one, where uh, myself and Connor – and uh, Sonia Harris and Paul Montgomery, writers from iFanboy.com, uh, talked about the first volume of the Starman Omnibus, and it was it was a it was a good, uh, heated, uh, fun conversation about that book. We're going to do more book explodes in the future, so uh, look forward to those. And that that was a really good one to start with. Yeah, so look for that on the feed uh, behind this show, and also behind that show is you can still check out the special edition podcast Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. If you have seen it since then, check it out. The show's still there. It's a good show. And All if, kinds of special edition shows. And if that's enough, if that's not enough listening for you, uh, head over to our sister site, Murmur.com, uh, where the first episode of the podcast came out about two weeks ago, and it was uh, Josh and, and Connor and Paul talking about movies. And if you tune in this week, uh, probably on Tuesday, you'll get the second episode coming your way. We're probably going to do a bit of a bi-weekly schedule with that podcast as we get our legs under it. Um, so make sure you go to uh, Murmur.com or Twitter.com forward slash Murmur to hear the latest when it comes out. Um, or subscribe on iTunes and you can get it right you'll get it when it comes out search for Murmur it's right there you can notice the little round logo and stuff like that and it'll be great so there may even be another Talksplode this week it's almost too much too much too much and where could you find that Talksplode Josh you could go to ifanboy.com. That is our website. You could read the Pick of the Week review that Connor wrote and the discussion that follows after it. A discussion on every single book that comes out uh, in a given week is, is possible. Make your pull list. Read all the great content we have there. It's a great website, and we are very, very proud of it. So make sure that you check it out. We get a lot of questions of stuff that's gone over on the website all the time. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com slash about, and you can find links to uh, all the other places where we are on the Internet, uh, social networks, things like that. Um, so, so make sure you go look. Yes, and um, you might notice over at ifanboy.com, we got a great little membership program going on. We do all this for free, all these podcasts, all the written content, everything like that. It's always going to be free, uh, but it does cost money. And we got San Diego coming up, and we're going we're gonna to be there in full force, covering for you, doing a video show, doing you know, we be this is going to be a meetup. It's going to be great, but uh, we need your help. So if you're not a member yet, head over to ifanboy.com forward slash store. You can sign up to be a member. You can sign up for either monthly or yearly. We got a four dollars uh, a month or forty two dollars a year. The cost of a comic. Um, and by doing that, you get stickers, buttons, and we're going to send you a comic. So we're going to replace that comic that you're spending, that you're not buying, by signing up for a membership. And if you want a little extra, if you want to spend a little extra, you can uh, sign up for ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year. That gets you all that cool stuff in addition to an iFanboy members T-shirt. Um, so we thank everybody who signed up, but um, we still need more members. So head over to iFanboy.com forward slash store to sign up today. And while you're there at the iFanboy.com forward slash store, you can check out the T-shirts we've got. We've got the Power Responsibility T-shirt available for $15. It's limited edition. And if you're going to San Diego, you're going to want to get it now so you have the shirt before San Diego so you can you can be the envy of everyone there when they say, wow, that's a cool shirt. Where did you get it? Everyone, who's, everyone who sees it is like, hey, that's a cool shirt. So Yeah, so if you're going to San Diego, you're going to want one of those. You don't want to miss out like on the Herm shirt. We keep getting requests every day for that Herm shirt. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So check those out at ifanboy.com forward slash store, and you can get the original iFanboy intern shirt at revision3.com 
forward slash store. And if you wear that, we can then get, send you to get coffee. Yes. Just as a warning. And we know point. there's a recession, but if you've got some money left over to spend, go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon. And that's where you could, uh, you could uh, shop uh, through Amazon. You can get all comic books, graphic novels, video games, uh, DVDs, whatever you like, clothes, everything Amazon's got. It helps us out in the process. So go to ifanboy.com forward slash Amazon. Video shows every single Wednesday. Go to revision3.com slash iFanboy. You can watch it on TiVo. Uh, this past week was our annual barbecue show where we grill some meats and we talk about comics, uh, listening, uh, uh, answering mail. And this week coming up, somehow we got ourselves Miracle Man. And we're talking about this legendary series. Alan Make sure Moore. you check it out. Alan Moore. Um, if you have any questions like we mentioned earlier, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. And finally, if you like the show or don't like the show, and especially if you don't like the show, you can write a review on iTunes. Josh, we're about, what, the 450s when you looked 430s. recently? 430s. 430s. It was amazing. So let's get up to 500. Let's get let's yeah, push that's a good call. Let's, let's, let's push the 500, people. That's only 70 of you need to go out there and write reviews on iTunes. We would love to see them, and it would, we'd love to help pe- helps people find the show when they search our comic book podcast. So thank you. And, and also, like, the, 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 the sort of, you know, ratio of good to bad was amazing. I was like, we must be really good at this. Or people hate us so bad they won't even deign they, they to say bad. Yeah, they won't even give us the, the, the time I, to write I, a bad review. I went and left a very good review for, for Tom Cater's podcast. That's what I was looking at when I saw that. So, you know, do, do it for him. Do it for Around Comics. You know, the, the stuff you like. But uh, do ours if you, if, you, if you want. Yeah. 70 more people. Let's, let's do this. I, I got faith in that fan base. All right. Nice. Don't let me down. Don't break my heart again. All right. So we hope you had a good uh, 4th of July weekend for our friends in the United States and for everybody internationally. Hope you just had a good weekend. And, uh, Canada Day. Until, it was Canada Day. Until next week, I'm Ron. I don't recognize Canada. I'm Connor. <laughs> that was horrible. I'm Josh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just awful. Yeah.